then I was frustrated and I was like, why can't I get any answers? So I just took out my phone and Googled hoping to jump over the doctors and no search results found. That has never happened to me in my life to receive no search results. My name is Kevin Fryert. My 30-year career at Pfizer gave me the chance to learn about the many facets of drug discovery and development. When I retired, I started Salem Oaks to help patients, parents, and caregivers understand the world of biopharmaceutical R&D so that they can be more effective partners and shape the future of medicine. On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the story of a young father whose son has an ultra-rare disorder known as Setagatian type bondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. Each episode, we will find out what is going on in the life of Sanath and his son Raghav. We will talk about Raghav's growth and development, ongoing and upcoming research, and the challenges and adventures that raising a child with a nearly unknown condition brings. Subscribe to the Raising Rare podcast to hear the story unfold. In earlier discussions, we have talked a lot about the importance of community of Sanath and Ramya. So we thought it would be good to meet one of those community members. Today on Raising Rare, we are joined by one of the most driven parent advocates in the world of rare disease, Amber Freed. Amber is the founder and CEO of CLC 6A1 Connect and uh, Milestones for Maxwell. Before we meet Amber though, Sanath, how's Raghav doing these days? He's doing really good. We just started the experimental medication four days ago, and, and he has not had any side effects to the medication, which is, which is fantastic. Although we were expecting the side effects could help us constipation because one of the side effects is GI problems, and he's been constipated. <laughs> so we thought it might just indirectly kind of compensate out, but that's not happening. Anyway, he's doing fantastic. That's wonderful. I'm glad you finally got that started. And we'll have to talk about that in one of our future episodes. Amber. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and Maxwell's story? Well, my name is Amber Freed, and I spent my career in equity analysis at Janice Henderson Investors. I was a professional researcher, but in a financial capacity, doing a lot of research and making big bets behind my conviction. Having kids was harder for me than I thought it would be. And so after two years of IVF, I was blessed with beautiful little twins named Mr. Maxwell and Miss Riley. And from the moment I held them in my arms, nothing else ever mattered. My previous career, my interests, my life really became focused on them. It was from a pretty early point on, though, that I noticed Maxwell just wasn't developing like his natural benchmark, his sister Riley. He was missing milestones. And he also had some very strange behaviors. Like he would stare at his finger 
all of the time. And this sounds like a baby just exploring his belongings, but mother's intuition said differently. Something was wrong. I'd go from doctor to doctor and they would say, don't worry, boys are slower than girls. Don't compare twins. I'm sure next visit, things will be fine. And over time, I really noticed a change in tone in the doctors that went from dismissing me to being curious to being scared. So how many doctors did you have to go through to, to start to sense that, hey, they're listening to me here? So many. I would say 15 that were puzzled. And I weirdly received the worst news from my ophthalmologist, which um, I think gave me the worst PTSD of any doctor throughout the process because I wasn't prepared emotionally for that appointment. We went to see if something was wrong with Maxwell's eyes because he stared at his fingers so much. And the ophthalmologist turned to me and said, well, I can tell you your baby can see just fine, but just be prepared for him not that he's not going to live. And I was so defensive. Like, excuse me, ophthalmologist? Like, not, not that you're not a, an intelligent doctor, but why did you say that to me? I came to you to look for vision. And he said, I see this all day long at the children's hospital. Like, a child, a child has a strange set of symptoms. They think it's his eyesight, but it's his brain. And it's always a rare disease. And half of the children that walk out of my office won't make it to their first birthday. That's crazy. I, I, I cannot believe doctors do that. Like we had, we had a very similar experience when uh, four or five hours after birth, a doctor came in. We have no idea what was going on. And she was like, yeah, your son is having some genetic problem, something neurological, something that nobody can cure. And you were like, come on, lady, are you kidding me? The baby is just fine. Even if that was their diagnosis, that was their, their expert opinion. Do you have to be so blunt about it? Do you, do you not put yourself in somebody's shoes and say, what is this news going to do to them? And, and Amber, as you said, you were unprepared in an ophthalmologist appointment to hear that kind of news. You probably were wondering if he was going to have to wear some of those glasses that kids all wear now, you know, that are strapped onto their head, sort of. But to say, he, you know, this is way more serious than that. In fact, I don't think he's going to live. That seems like kind of a, just a, a brutal way to say it. So how long was that? How old was, um, was Maxwell at that appointment? He was six months old. I was, I can actually take bad news and rejection really well from my prior career. Like what I loved about it was every day the stock market reminded me I was stupid and had this natural mechanism to keep you humble. I typically don't get rattled and I was rattled, shaking, then I had to go hold him down for a blood draw and my husband wasn't there and I had this horrible news and I 
never told my husband. There was no point in both of us melting down. One of us had to be functional for our family. Took another five months from then to get a diagnosis. And what was the diagnosis? What what did you ultimately find out? Well, it was another weird experience. The doctors called and said, we'll clear our calendar for you. Come in immediately. And we knew it was going to be horrible news. Nobody, we didn't need any more preparation than the way the doctors told us to come in. So we rushed in and we were led to what I like to call the bad news room, where there was just a lot of doctors with sad faces and we were bracing for impact and trying to listen but you know adrenaline is just running so hard you can barely function and the doctors told us he's diagnosed with SLC6A1 and I thought okay what's the name of the disease and thinking they were just using like medical jargon. And they said, no, that is the name of the disease. And I said, okay, but like who discovered it? What, who's the disease named after? And they said, the gene, it's too rare to have a name. And they gave me a five-page article written out of Denmark and said, this is what we know about it. Hopefully you can become the expert and you can come back and educate us. Wow. So I have two reactions to that. One is it was actually good that they shared the article with you. It would have been great to like walk you through it. Maybe. I don't know if they did that, but then the the other one, the other thought I have is they immediately recognized that you would become the expert. They they knew that you would be devoted to looking at it, and they couldn't. But what a what a role reversal! That's amazing that they they just put it out there on you and said, "Come back as the expert." Ooh. So how'd you respond to that? Well, my natural defense mechanism is research, and I started peppering them with questions like, "Will this affect life expectancy?" Like I started very high level and they said, we don't know. You have to have what's called a natural history study. And then I was frustrated and I was like, why can't I get any answers? So I just took out my phone and Googled, hoping to jump over the doctors and no search results found. That has never happened to me in my life to receive no search results. And my husband is a big six foot two college football loving guy. Our cat is named Mitney after the Penn State Mitney Lions. And I could see his shoulders start to shake because he was trying not to ball, but he was. And I just grabbed his knee and I said, Mark, don't cry. We have our entire lives to cry. This isn't about us. It's about Maxwell. And right now we need to fight. And I turned back to the doctors and I said, what would you do in the next week and in the next month 
And then I'm going to call you and I need your coaching for next steps. But this is not going to be our story. And I don't want to talk about it as if it is going to be our story. And they looked back and they said, start calling scientists right now. So how do you do that? I, I grew up in the industry and I would struggle to just, if someone told me, go call scientists, I'd be like, well, what do I do? The yellow pages, you know, where's the scientist number? How, how did you actually attack that challenge? I first went back to my office and I quit my career. I told them something really bad has happened and um, I'm quitting. I'm never coming back right now. And I looked up all of the companies that work in rare disease space, printed off their information, asked for introductions from my peers that covered them. I worked in consumer. I worked with the world's largest biotech team. And then I started with those people in Denmark. And I called and I said, my child was just diagnosed with this. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. Can you explain to me what this paper means and how I can um, become more involved in the community and please introduce me to three people. But my most important question was, if you were a parent right now, how could you cure this disease? I'm not really interested in, in forming a, a long-term like network. I, I need something in the next year that can help Maxwell. And then I can start thinking about larger nonprofits and building a community and speaking engagements. And throughout all of those conversations, I'd say I talked to hundreds of scientists over a span of a month, read close to 20 textbooks, and it became very clear for our situation that the shot on goal was gene replacement therapy. You got there pretty quickly. Um, that is gene replacement therapy. Let's talk about that in a couple of minutes. And let's bring Sanath back into the conversation here. How did you two meet? I've read about your story, Amber, even before we met. I think I read about the story, Maxwell's story online uh, when I was doing my research on figuring out how to get started, uh, like everybody does. And then magically out of nowhere, a WhatsApp group was started with a bunch of rare disease advocates and that that morphed into a slack group and that's that's how that's how we got connected and that's how we got met um, the funny thing is i don't think we've met in person right no <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it it it, it feels like we, we know each other for a while so amber i think i actually didn't meet you but i saw you at global genes two years ago and a woman stood up roughly looks like you as I've seen you in, in pictures and stuff and said, I'm going to find a cure for my son in a year. And then you either sat down or you left the, the room. Was that you? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I remember actually looking for you the rest of the time saying, I want to talk to you because I can give you some, you know, hints on where this path is that you're looking for and, and some of what's going on, what you're going to have to do. And I, I just couldn't find you the rest of the, the conference. But I remember that, that moment as a very touching moment. Um, someone in your situation saying, I'm going to do this. And I'm taking the first step right here in front of you all. 
and it was very powerful. Oh man, I was so tired. I don't even remember, but I'm glad to hear that. It's it's fascinating how Global Genes has also been my starting point. I, I spoke about this before, but I, I remember vividly sitting in the Global Genes meeting and thinking and, and taking notes and, and thinking about strategies to to help my son. And I think I think it's 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 a place where where we we can all go back and learn from. So how do you guys stay in touch now? It sounded before we got started that you've got another meeting already set up for something else. So how do you stay in touch now? Slack and email. I think uh, with, with COVID, it, it became more convenient that this has become the de facto tools for everybody to communicate. Um, so Slack and email. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, all of us are, are, are in a journey. And if you're in the gene replacement therapy journey, you're probably going to be doing a few set of activities that everybody is, is doing already or, or has done. Um, and I, I'm looking at a gene therapy for my son and uh, Amber has worked on this before. So uh, we've had a bunch of conversations about that. We've had a bunch of conversations about, about other topics like uh, natural history and so on. So yeah, it's, it's primarily through Slack and email. As someone standing on the outside of this, looking at it, it's, there's this, this group of people, this community that we've talked about before, Sanath, and you're teaching each other as you go. And it's great that that happens but it just seems like a complete systemic failure that there isn't another way for someone who finds himself on this path to, to kind of step into some sort of here, here's, here's the process of what's going to happen. And yes, your energy is important and yes, your ideas are going to drive it even faster, but to just be left in a desert of, I'm going to call a lot of scientists and figure this out myself there's something broken there that, that we should start looking at how to fix that bigger thing after we deal with what's right in front of us, right? And it's, that's the paradox. Maxwell and Raghav are the priority here. And there's this bigger issue that has to, has to also be addressed by someone somewhere. I think it'll, it'll, the, the bigger issue will get addressed at some point in time. And I, I believe patient foundations are going to be the folks that address the disease. Honestly, because we we feel the problem more than anybody else in uh, firsthand. Because when we when we get started after devastating news, we have to climb a mountain before even we can we can begin to think what what, what the future for this kid will look like. And I think we, we we will end up solving this problem. I agree. I agree. It will come from patients and parents, the people facing it front line. It, it's not going to come from some ivory tower somewhere. It just can't. The ivory tower can't even see it. You've gotten to know each other over at least a year or so now. Um, this is a chance for you to talk about each other a little. What do you admire about each other? So let's go first with uh, Sonneth. What do you admire about Amber? Relentless. I've heard, I've heard your story and I've heard how, how relentless you've been in, in, keep make, in, in continuing to make progress despite a lot of you know, setbacks and, and difficulties. And that, that inspires me a lot. Obviously, I, I, I deal with setbacks every week, not every day. And, and your story just reminds me that I have to keep going. Thank you for that. Sanat has so much grit, but another large quality he has is his ability to bring people together and their family is just very, very loving. They always remember the other families. He is able to pull resources from everyone to bring this community together. And as we were both 
talking about how the community is still disjointed way more than it should be and how that's going to change. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, but I think it's going to be all of us together eventually. If you'd like to follow Raghav's story, please subscribe to Raising Rare.